Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. This is a Monday, so we have Father Charles Murr sitting in for Jesse Romero. Father Murr, thank you very much for joining us again on these Mondays. Terry, as always, thank you for having me. You know, Father, my friendship has grown not because I see you in person, but because we have these conversations once a week about our love for Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Because I think that's the center of our conversation is, what can we do to help people meet Jesus Christ and help people get to heaven? That's it. See, well, that's it, Terry. And if we met once a week talking exclusively about you yeah. oh, and or about me, oh, we'd be out of conversation in, in, in a matter of two or three sessions. God. <clears throat> yep, exactly. This we, can talk, we can talk forever. Oh, yeah. No, we could. When it's about Christ and his church, we can talk forever. Yes. And you know, Father, we only get so many breaths of air. You and I are both. I'm in my uh, mid-60s. You're over that. I won't say where, but over 70. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You got me beat. I'm joking, you know. But uh, the point of it is, we're on. A, <clears throat> we're rounding third base, okay? And mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I want to... I don't want to just walk into a home. I want to slide head first with everything I have. I want to give it to Christ. I think of what Bishop Sheen said at the end of his life when he wrote a letter to John Paul II in 1979, the year he died. And he committed his service to the vigor of Christ to promote the gospel. And he said, my only regret, Holy Father, is my energy, I'm at the end of my life. I don't know how much I can do for you, but I can pray and I can offer sacrifices for your pontificate. And, you know, I'll never forget that. That was in Treasure and Clay, his autobiography. And I thought, you know what? He's right. We can offer our sufferings for Holy Mother of the Church because the church is, I'm going to use the word hemorrhaging, Okay. Meaning we're bleeding. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good that's a good choice of words. Yeah. All right. So that's what I see happening. All right. Before be, your thoughts, and then I'll get to the gospel of the day. Well, yeah. I mean, don't don't you start every day with the morning offering? Of course I do. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm no sooner uh, up and out of bed. Yeah. The first thing I do is make the sign of the cross and start the day with that. Yeah. Every single thing that happens to me today, I want converted into a I, prayer. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a joke. My grandson stayed with me, uh, not this like, two nights ago, and I usually get up early, at you know like four fifteen is what I'm. How old is How old is the grandson? He's four Terry? years old now. Now four years he old. gets up out of the bed out of his room that we have for him when he stays at our house, and he sees that I'm. He knows where I pray, so he'll come if he wakes up early. He will come over and sit in my lap and says, "Can I pray with you, Grandpa?" And I just think it's the cutest thing. So I'll say my prayers out loud. And, I mean, these are way beyond him. But the point of it is, the fact that he's sitting there, I thought about that. I said, thank you, Jesus, because here I am saying my prayer, my offering of the day, and just basic prayers. And my little four-year-old grandson, do you think he won't forget that? I have a feeling that when he's an adult— He'll remember that. I have a feeling, I have a feeling, Terry, that one day when he's a priest and he's on a radio program, he's going to be saying to people, I used to sit on my grandpa's lap and say, can I pray with you, grandpa? Oh, yeah. yeah. That would be a blessing. All right. Well, let's get to the gospel of today and Monday. It's Luke. We've been reading a lot of Matthew this Lent, but now we have Luke chapter 6, verse 36 to 38. Do you have that in front of you? Or do you want me to read it, Father? 
I wish you would read it. Thank I don't have it in front of me. I, I'm, I'm very obedient to you. You know that. All right. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. It's short. Jesus said to his disciples, be merciful just as your father is merciful. <clears throat> Stop judging and you will not be judged. Stop condemning and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. <clears throat> Give and the gifts will be given to you. A good measure packed together, shaken down and overflowing will be poured into your lap. For the measure with you which you measure will in return be measured out to you. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Your thoughts. Ah. Uh, immediately my thoughts go to this. Yeah, listen. Between between exterior and interior. Ah, good distinction. And 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 this is what Christ is saying as far as I'm concerned, because otherwise he'd be taking us for complete fools. Yeah. Right? Yep. When he's talking about do not judge, what he means is do not judge the interior of a man. Right. Don't judge a man's conscience. Mm, you, be, why? Because you're in no position to do that. You just, you just aren't. Terry, do you, how many times in, in life, you don't have to answer this, it's a rhetorical. That's okay. How many times in life have, have you and have I been wrong? Oh, when we when we when we've judged somebody uh, capable of doing something, oh, do you know many times. something that happened to me? Just just a, just a, it's a quick and short story. Yeah, good. I judged somebody. I judged somebody. Uh, well, <laughs> I stopped talking to him because I was convinced that he had stolen some money from my room. Yeah, this years ago in Rome. Sure. Right. Uh, years after that, years after that, someone else confessed to it. Oh my gosh! Right? Wow. Yeah. And another thing. Another thing. I judged a man. I mean, I judged a man. Uh, uh, I really, I really judged him, and this was this was wrong. Yeah. I had to act because I was I was in charge of a program. Yeah. And I, I judged a man wrong. His actions wrong. I accused him of, of, of drinking, drinking on the job, yeah. right? And it became very, very, very serious. I'm not going to get into the seriousness sure. of it, but very serious. Well, uh, we had to fire him. Yeah. And I was so disappointed because he was a great friend of mine. Oh, that's tough. He let me, da he let me down. He let me down. Sure. Right? A month later, a telegram came from across the sea telling us all that the same individual had died on the operating table trying to remove a tumor from his brain. Wow. So it wasn't drinking at all. No. Yeah. And he had told me, he said, I'm, that's not it. Well, what I'm saying is we're never in a position to judge the interior actions of, of a man or a woman, of, of a child, anyone. Mm -hmm. We just aren't. Yep. And this is what Christ is talking about is that kind of judgment. Yeah. He's not talking about, he's not talking about, uh, well, if I see um, uh, somebody who looks very suspicious about a hundred feet away from me and I'm walking in his direction and I see that he's got a gun, what do I keep walking? Of course not. Do I keep walking in his direction? Of course not. And I have to make a judgment. That's right. Right. Yep. Well, that's a, that's, that's a perfectly logical and, and, 
not only logical, it's a God-given gift Amen. to be able to judge, right? Now, can I go into the motives for, for, for his actions? No, I can't. I, I can't. I can't do that, and I can't condemn him completely. That's not to me. What, what we were talking about before, Terry, and you said it often, <clears throat> that's not my department. Right. You know, I'm I'm in uh, you know I, I I'm in management. No, I'm in sales. I, I'm in sales. Not I'm in management. sales. I'm not in management. Exactly. Well, it's that, that's exactly it. So when our Lord is saying, uh, "Do not judge, lest you be judged," yeah. what He's talking about is that interior judgment uh, of a man's soul. You cannot do that. I cannot do that. And you know how many opportunities we have to learn that every day. Probably fifty to a hundred yeah. every day, yeah. you know, when we're judging things. Right. right. So what our Lord is saying is, cool it, cool it. That's not your department. That's yeah. up to me. Deal with it the best way you can, and 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 be Christian about it. Wow. But ultimate judgment is mine. Yeah. That's 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 what it is. But I also like I also like that comparison. <clears throat> did you ever take Did you ever take a measuring cup? <clears throat> and 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 grab like a cup of, of flour. Sure. Yes. It's all full. And then you start you start tapping it. Yep. And the it goes down, 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 down. Right? Of course. Well, this is what our Lord says. You've got mercy. It's going to be given back to you. Tap down. Yeah. Tap down. Absolutely packed full of mercy back to you. I love I like it. that. I, love I like that because, boy, am I in need of it. Me too. And, you know, so are we all. Me too. We got a minute and a half on this segment, but I want to bring in the smartest guy into the room, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Full Sheen ahead here. And I think he's going to talk about something that, Father Murr, you said you got from Bishop Sheen about this sense of humor. You said there were two things in life that I, uh -huh. yes. And so here's what Bishop Sheen says. Yeah. Saints have a sense of humor. <clears throat> I do not mean only <clears throat> canonized saints but rather the great army of staunch and solid Christians to whom everything and every incident speaks a story of God's love. A saint can be defined as one who has a divine sense of humor, for a saint never takes this world seriously as the lasting city. Now, this is uh, something that I just heard you talk about. There are two things in life you need. Can you comment on that, Father? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton, I think, says it says it even better than than uh, uh, than uh, Fulton Sheen mm -hmm. in this case. Yeah, Sheen uh, com commonly gave credit well, to they Chesterton. Were friends. They, Chesterton. They, they were friends. They were friends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they sure were, and 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 they knew each other's mind. Yes. But one of the things that G.K. Chesterton said. Uh, hey, that hey hold was, your hold your thought, because this is a uh, good one. I think I know the quote you're going to use. Folks, you're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murr's here on a Monday. Wow. I love it when he's here. Why? Because I fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Stay with us. We'll be back after a very quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. We were just chatting about the saints having a divine sense of humor. And Father Murray, you were going to quote G.K. Chesterton and what he has to say on that. Your thoughts? Yeah, Chesterton simply said, uh, the, the reason that angels can fly oh. 
is because they take themselves lightly. <laughs> I and, love that quote. And, well, and it's, it, it, and it's really what it is. <clears throat> if you don't have a sense of humor, yeah. you're missing out on, on, oh. on so, so very much in life. You just are. And you're, you're missing out of the joy of life. Yeah. Uh, because there's an awful lot of joy that, 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 that a lot of people who are just, who are very stern and focused and, and, and may I use the word rigid, Terry? That's a very good rigid? word to use. Yes. <laughs> Father, let me, let me, I, just, let me I, just jump I know in. a lot of, I, Terry, by the way, I know an awful lot of rigid people who are liberals. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Father, what you're oh, yeah. saying is so true. I was at Walmart getting some groceries and you could do a self-checkout thing. And this woman had huh. this sourpuss face on. She looked like she didn't want to be there. And yeah. my challenge when I see people like that is to try and get them to come out of that, you know, problem of being a sourpuss and to put a smile on her face. So I will ask questions. And I say, Have you, did you see all the rain we're getting? You know, so I'm getting into a conversation with her. And, and then I say, can I ask you a question? My son asked me to buy some beer for him. And I know on the self-check-in, I can't do it. I have to show ID. Can you show me how that works? You know, just to get her engaged with me. Uh, so now, so, oh, yeah, I can show you how to do that. Well, I bought some discount bread. So now she buys beer for the entire neighborhood. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> no, no, but here's the, here's the kicker. I buy the, the discounted bread that's a day old, and there's a SKU mm. number right below the regular price SKU number. And she says, can I give you a secret? I said, of course. I appreciate everything you're doing for me. She's now really engaged, violent. She says, when you scan this, make sure you go lower because you can scan it and you'll pay full price for that discounted bread. I said, that is so kind of you. What a nice person you are. So I'm complimenting her. And now- You made her day. You made her yeah, day. And here's sure. the, here's the sure. final thought. I go to leave. I don't have bags because they're in the car. I forgot to bring them in. In California, you have to have your own bags or you'll get charged. And she says to me, do you need a bag? Just go ahead and pick any, as many as you need. It's on us today. And I said, well, God bless you. I really appreciate that. You have a wonderful day. Now, here's my point. My point to you is we have a lot of people who are sourpusses in the world today. And they're, they're down. They, don't, they can't look at life in, in the light of what I call eternity, which is what I look at. Uh, but even just putting a smile on somebody's face, I look at that as an accomplishment of the day. And I thank God when I'm out walking out to the parking lot, I'm going, we give thee thanks, almighty, all merciful, and all loving God. For that woman, I hope and pray she finds our Lord and finds meaning and purpose in her life. Now, I went off on that, but here's the point I'm trying to make. That's what we do here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We give people the meaning and purpose of life. And when you realize that life is short and that eternity is forever, are you kidding me? You think I'm going to get down because something bad happens to me? I'm going to look at it from the perspective of eternity, and then it doesn't seem that bad. All right, Father, I want to ask you a question because you, I think you were a priest in New York, so you know about St. Patrick's Cathedral. You probably have, have uh, either said Mass at St. Patrick's or been there for service. I, I, had, my, I had my 25th anniversary okay. uh, at St. Patrick's with Cardinal Gagnon. Wow, wow. And that's when yeah. Fulton Sheen was buried below the uh, crypt there. Yeah, That's right. We, we visited Fulton J. Sheen's uh, tomb together. I bet you did. Us. Well, tragedy, we did. tragedy took place, and I call it a, a, an ab abomination. There was a funeral of what we used to call transgenders, or, or, or uh, we used to call them uh, transvestites, yes, in the old days. But 
they were prostitutes. Uh, they, these people were living a life uh, of a uh, contrary to the gospel, and for some reason, they wanted to have the funeral mass—not not mass, a funeral—at St. Patrick's, where a thousand people came in, and it became an abomination because they were promoting deviant lifestyles that were contrary to the gospel, and really giving cheers. And it seemed to me that they were using the church uh, in a way that really was an abomination. What What are your thoughts about that event, Father? Now, there's no question of it. There's no question of it. It was an abomination. It was it was a, more than a sacrilege. They were blasphemous. Mm-hmm. Uh, this it was it was it was outrageous, absolutely outrageous. And you know, I think what uh, what most irritates me. Yes. When I I saw that I saw the the tapes oh, the, clips of that. Yeah, there's clips really was. Amazing. Oh, they're terrible, terrible. But it was it was the the total absence of humility. Yes. A total absence of humility on everyone's part. Everyone's part. They're, they're screaming. Yes. They're swearing. Yes. They're blaspheming. Yes. Uh, just this on and on. This is outrageous. And it's and it's it's something. Let me let me let me tell you this, Terry. I worked in the I worked in the South Bronx uh, for 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 one year. Yeah. Was one one of the longest years. Pardon me for saying, it, but it was one of the longest years of my life. I bet. Uh, it was it was difficult. It was difficult. But what I saw there, what uh, was really hard for me to take, and that was I saw a whole group of immigrants, mm-hmm. recent immigrants, who had come into the country and come into that neighborhood in the South Bronx. Yep. And were certainly welcome to the parish church. They're Catholics. There's there's no question of that. But that church and those churches were not built by them. Mm-hmm. They were built by the Italian immigrants, Irish immigrants, German immigrants, sure. Slavics, and so many of the so many of the newcomers came in and took over those churches yeah. as if they were theirs. And I had never been I had never been told before by lay people what to say. How high to jump? What to do? Yeah, they're 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 telling me this is what we expect from you. I'm saying, what, you've got to be kidding me. Excuse me. Yeah, but I had never met. Oh gosh, I had never met people with with an an innate right. It's like they were entitled. Yeah, this was their church, and and you were in, in if you didn't do exactly what they wanted. You were somehow in. Uh, they didn't want you. You were interrupting. Yep. It's it's it, it's an amazing thing. This is, by the way, if I can just make a parenthesis, this is what I've always loved about working with the Mexicans. Yes. And I'll tell you what. They have respect uh, for the clergy. I have never, I have never met. Uh, yeah. These are generalizations, okay? Yeah. Because there are always exceptions yeah. to everything. But I've never met a group of people. Who were kinder and humbler? Yeah, and I mean with the real humility. Yep. They listen. They listen. They listen, and for the most part, uh, are, are respectful and 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 go along with what's right. Yes, they have no entitlement. When I saw the clips of that funeral, oh my god! I saw I saw everybody there screaming and yelling with entitlement. Yes. 
and and you know, here's something else too. I had I've had funerals. I've had funerals uh, in New York City when I was sure. a pastor there. Sure. Some of them, Terry, sure. were outrageous because there were people. I first of all, I never knew them. Yeah. Never seen them one day in their lives. Yeah. In my life, uh, and they're there, and again, the relatives are coming with all of the a list of things that they want done. Yeah. I said, just a minute, just a minute. I think you, you, I don't know who you think you're talking to. It's not that I'm, I'm so, it's such an important yeah. thing, but look, th this is the way we do a funeral mass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, this and the, well, and I've had many times, Terry, in New York City, where I began thinking that I knew the enough of the family, right? Yeah. But I'm seeing people who have, Terry, we used to use this word. Unchurched. Oh yeah, unchurched, of course. Right. Oh well, this is what you're dealing with today. You're dealing with the unchurched. You're dealing with people who do not know yeah. how to behave in church. Oh yeah. They have no idea. They cannot make any distinction between a church and the beach, a church and a demonstration. It's all the same. Yep. It's all the same. Well, you have to make it for them. Yeah. And I've I've begun. Uh, a couple times anyway, in New York, I started a funeral mass, a requiem mass, a yeah. funeral mass. Sure. And cut it short. I didn't say mass. After five minutes, I realized that I'm talking to a whole group of people who are non-believers. Wow. And then I've got, then I've got a, well, when you say the Lord be with you. Nothing. Total silence. Nobody knows. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> the Lord be with you. Yeah. All right. They have no idea. Wow. So now what am I going to do? I'm going to confect the Holy Eucharist and distribute no. distribute the bread of angels. No. I don't think so. Uh, I'm with you. So I, I, I would cut it short. That's that's what I'm not even sure that that, that the priest who was offering the mass at St. Patrick's, I, I think he did not offer a, a mass. I think he started to, yeah. And then somebody told him, uh, "No, you were given instructions. No, do not, do not do the mass. Do not continue with the mass. Just a, just a service." Well, that was a good call. Yeah, that was a good call because there would have been there would have been more desecration. Yeah, there would have been desecration and sacrilege committed by people who are who have no idea what the Eucharist is and who have been would have been receiving it for a show. Uh, I got the idea too. That if our blessed Lord were there, yeah, as much compassion as He had for sinners, yeah, and these people were public sinners, not oh, yeah. because I say so, no. they were proclaiming it. Of course, they were. I mean, I'm not, I'm not condemning them no. for that. They were proclaiming it, mm -hmm. and they showed themselves to be rightfully so, yep. public sinners. Yep. I think our Lord would have gone down and overturned their tables with the with the with their images and their this that and the other thing. I think he would have with a whip in his hand. I agree. It was it was it was outrageous. It so, was outrageous. So what prayers need to be prayed to um, you know rectify this, Father? What's well, I'll, I'll tell you. Let me. I'm, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> Here, um, let me let me say this, Terry. Yeah. I was at St. Peter's Basilica once when somebody committed suicide oh, no. in St. Peter's St. Peter's Basilica. Wow. Yeah, they, they decided to take St. Peter's Basilica oh, as the as the the framework for their suicide. 
Now, these are sick minds. Yeah. Okay, I understand that. that. The, the basilica, of course, was closed. The mess was cleaned up. Yeah. The, the person had, had jumped off of the, oh. from the dome, right? Oh. Terrible. And, and the, uh, the, the priest of St. Peter's Basilica hmm. reconsecrated the basilica. There you go. Right? Yeah. That's what took place so that it could be used again for holy purposes because it had been defiled. Yep. Uh, I, for one, Terry, will not return and not enter St. Peter's Basilica until, to, I'm talking about today. Wow. Until, until it is, until it is reconsecrated after the Pachamama. I'm with you. Outrageous. 100%. Stay with us. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse show with Father Charles Murr. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. I like to say to Father Charles Murr, why don't you really tell me what you think, Father? Because it seems to well, be let me let me just let me just yeah. finish that thought, Terry. Yeah, go ahead. To make it perfectly clear. Yeah. Uh, some people took a pagan idol yeah. into what I consider one of the holiest places on earth, St. Peter's Basilica. Of course. And desecrated, desecrated the basilica. Right. I'm not going to get into who was there because it didn't make it any better who was there. What they did was a was was it was an outrage. It was a blasphemy. That has to be reconsecrated. Amen. St. Patrick's Cathedral needs to be reconsecrated. Amen. I'm 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 absolutely serious. Yeah. Because if it's not, if it's not, then then we just why don't we believe? Yeah, I agree with nothing. You. Nothing, right? And, uh, and and there and I'll tell you something else too. Just one thing more, and then we'll get on to something else. Sure. There should also be we our our, our Catholic bishops uh, keep meeting, and they have meetings and meetings. Yeah. They have meetings to discuss when their next meeting is going to be. Yeah, they love to meet. Meet. Well, why don't they talk about something like this and what 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 should be the 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 way the proper way to act? Put some norms down and get something established because they're leaving the poor priest out there alone. Now, had I reacted the way I would react, Terry, yeah. I would be called into the Cardinal's office tomorrow. Oh, big time, big time. Right. And, and you know what? And Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. All right. So, but, but the point is, there is no norm. Yeah. There is no norm. There's no, there, How do you deal with this? How do you deal with that? Well, there's a priest in New York that you know quite well, and I've had him at my house on vacation when he came out from New York. His name is Father Murray. Murray and, uh, Father, Father Jerry Murray. Murray. Father Jerry Murray. Yeah, yeah Father Jerry yeah. Murray. He's a one of, He's one of Terry. One of the one of the finest priests uh, of New York. The man should be a bishop. Yeah, he should have been made a bishop oh, years ago, and would have, and would have. Yeah, but well, he, he was he was a little bit too honest. Well, he reminds me of what Monsignor William Smith in in New York. He speaks his mind too much, uh, but he had a great mind. And here's what Father Murray said last Thursday on Raymond Arroyo regarding. Uh, this issue about Tommy, I hadn't heard that. I hadn't heard that. Okay. I'm interested. Well, you're going to be right. yeah, women deacons would he said would be a serious moment of heresy. He said this in the interview, and I, I just want to get your take on. It. He said this is all an attempt to use modern feminism as a new criterion for determining the meaning of revelation and the church teaching. He said this has to be rejected. Father Murray said, 
And I'm just going to give you a couple more points that he made. Uh, he said that basically that the church has never administered the sacrament of holy orders to women, including the diaconate, and it would be against church teaching and the tradition. He said, I think for me it's part of the propaganda. Why don't you really tell me what you think, Father Murray? Mm. He mm. says propaganda effort to simply say the Pope is going to do this. In other words, a nun just recently said this in the news that, of course, the Pope's behind women's ordination for the diaconate. And I just want to mention, he quoted the Theological Commission back in 2002, already declared— hey, Terry, Terry, what, what she's actually saying is, of course the Pope is in agreement with my opinion. Uh, that's exactly what she's saying, exactly. Yeah. So the bottom line is, all the quotes of the Church teaching, John Paul II back in 94, uh, pointed out the Church has no power to do this. But uh, Father uh, Father Jerry um, Murray really is calling out the Holy See— and I would think he would get in trouble too, but it, for some for whatever reason, I think his angels are protecting him. But I want to just understand your position because I believe, and I'm just going to tell you what I think, and you correct me right on the air. I think if they try to ordain women, whether it's the diaconate or uh, the priesthood, that that's a demarcation line where you're splitting the church. Am I off? No, you're absolutely right. As as if that if that happens, yeah. If that happens, if Papa Bergoglio yeah. uh, moves to have that happen and permits it, there will be there will be officially then a schism. There will there will be an official declaration of, of schism. There already is a schism, yeah. but it'll be officially declared. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so, I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more with with Father Murray. He's absolutely correct. All right. Well, here's what I wanted to bring up to you. Uh, sometimes Protestants are non-Catholics say comments about the Catholic Church, and nine out of ten times, they don't get it right, Father. They say things yeah. like, we worship Mary. No, 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 tell me, let's, this is what we, you know, veneration, and we talk. Now, they don't understand, but Jordan Peterson, uh, his wife is a convert to the Catholic faith. I know you knew about that. But he came out. I'm, pray, I'm, I'm praying very, very hard. Oh. I really do. Every oh. day I pray for Jordan Peterson. Yes, I do, too. He, I think he needs just a little, just a little bit of a push. I think he does, but here's what he said. He said uh, that Pope, he said, Jordan Peterson, he says, the Pope Francis fixation on climate change is all a bad idea. He said, the Pope should be sending, should be spending his time on saving souls. He says, saving souls is how you save the planet. Oh, not by worshiping, you know, the Pachamama. Uh, He said, criticizing this effort to make the church more relevant since the 1960s. Now, remember, this is not a Catholic speaking, but he's, no. but I think he's spot on. But he's no, just, but, but but it is but it is a logical. Oh, that's what he's brilliant mind. Yeah, it, logical brilliant yes. mind. And he says this. He said, "I thought that religion is supposed to be an invitation to this great adventure of life. What's a great adventure of life? Listen to what he says. Pick up your cross and follow me." Wow. Jesus, that sounds familiar. Yeah, I know. Peterson responded, quoting Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, that's a heck of an invitation, he admitted. But that's the invitation the church lost faith in that. I'm telling you, Father, the guy's spot on. Absolutely. He says, as soon as you say that you need to be more relevant than what, you, you're, what you're doing, technically, it's putting someone, something else above that. Is, is that 
Very, I mean, that's intuitive. I, th I think I think that as soon as Jordan Peterson becomes a Catholic, I'm going to push that he become elected pope. <laughs> that's funny. And the man, the man is the man is so so spot on. It's it's yeah, it's 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 absolutely. And I like what he said about spiritual warfare in the church. Uh, according to Peterson, he said the Catholic Church is currently not challenging its members to take that difficult path. Okay, right, right, right. that's right. He said, and this is powerful. But Terry, Terry. Terry, when you say to people, you're forgiven without repentance. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, no, you, you've lost it right there. I could, Th that is not Christ's message, I and this could, is what's happening. Couldn't agree more. He said the gateway to paradise is barred by the, cher by the uh, cherubs, the angels, who have swords that flame, he said. It means it's hard to get into the club, man. I mean, what, what, we're talking street language here, you know, but yeah, I, I yeah. just love what he said. Yeah. Anything that isn't worth getting cut, burned away, he warned, adding, well, of course, that's hell. See, here's a man who doesn't have the Catholic faith, and he's telling us Catholics what we've always taught. And he's saying, what's wrong with you guys? He says, there's no sugar coating that. And that isn't what people want anyways. Young people want this adventure, Peterson said. He stated that the desire for adventure is the reason that young people feel called to save the planet from climate change. Yeah, Pope Francis seems to be on about consistently what you should. What about saving souls, he said. So here's my comment to him, and then I'll, let, I'll turn it to you. This is a non-Catholic looking objectively at the church and saying, here's where your problems are. And I love it because he's spot on. Yeah. And well, absolutely. And you know, uh, there's something else too that's a little, little bit deeper issue here. Okay. Jordan Peter, Jordan Peterson is an incredible psychologist. Mm -hmm. Incredible. I I met him. I never met him personally. Mm -hmm. I met him through a program that he gave probably 15 years ago. Wow. I don't know where it was, and I just happened to come across it on on, on YouTube. Yeah. And he was giving he was giving a course. On Genesis, I, I actually saw that. In the book of Genesis. Yep, yep, yep. Did you see that? I did. Yeah. Well, I he I was spellbound. Yeah. I was spellbound, and the audience, Terry, yes. was packed full. Yep. 85 percent young men. Yeah, that's awesome. Look at looking to this man for answers. Wow. And here's my here's here's what I really wanted to get to too. Sure. I think Jordan Peterson has dealt with people. Living in hell, yeah, an awful lot, yeah, an awful lot with psychological uh, uh, maladies of all sorts, yeah. And he also knows that a great number of them, perhaps the majority, could easily get out of that hell, yeah, if they recognize that the solution is not in them but outside of them. It's called Jesus Christ. Amen. And and if and if they would pick up their cross and follow Christ take those sufferings and change them into fantastically grace-filled energy, right. they could change a world. And Jordan Peterson knows that. He's seen it happen. Exactly. And what he can't abide is seeing the head of the Roman Catholic Church on earth, yep. the successor of St. Peter, not following suit. Wow. Well said. And I thank you, Jordan Peterson, for being so articulate about our Catholic faith, and, and we will. I want to ask all of our listeners 
to add him into their prayers on a daily basis. Because I, I really believe when he becomes Catholic that he will affect so many thousands of souls in a better way of coming in. I think he's, uh, uh, he's respected in so many circles. So I appreciate that. Undoubtedly. Yeah, now, Undoubtedly. Quick question I have, and I know we only have a minute and a half, but just a comment. Alabama Supreme Court rules frozen embryos are children. And basically, the pro-abortion people are just getting nervous. I've seen article after article. They're saying, how can you say? Well, basically, they're saying that uh, it's just the location of the uh, location of the baby, whether it's in the womb or in subtube, it's still a baby. And now 11 states have been defining personhood beginning at fertilization. So it seems like this is a big issue. And it's kind of interesting that it's not the Catholic Church, which we should be promoting, you know, course, <laughs> should be speaking course, on this. But you've got some, I'm going to call it Protestants in Alabama who realize life begins at conception. Your thoughts? Gary, the Catholic Church has held that life begins at conception yeah. forever. Yeah. Forever. Until recently. It's a Until crazy Until very world. recently. <laughs> crazy world. When we come back, we're going to get into some life of Christ with Bishop Fulton J. Sheen and give us a little focus on the hidden life of Jesus Christ and how it applies to us here. Stay with us, family. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Father Charles Murs here. I forgot I mentioned one more topic that I wanted to cover. In one of your books, you have a short summary of what Freemasonry is. Which book is that, Father? Um, I believe it is... Mother Gabriel or Mother... I, is it, is it the Godmother? I think it's the Godmother. I think it's in the Godmother, I couldn't remember. But it just, but, all, but also, I took that same, it is from the Godmother, and then I took the same, uh, it's uh, it's, an, it's an appendix to it about yeah. Freemasonry. It's about 10 pages long, right. it was very good. a summary. And I also put that in Murder in the 33rd Degree. Okay, so maybe that's, wh- that's where I got mixed up. I knew, it was, I read it several times. And- well, it's in, both, it's in both books, so you didn't get mixed up. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Well, I want to bring this up because I consider you knowledgeable on that topic. And just this week, the Vatican with the Cardinal saying that we need to get a dialogue going with Freemasonry. And it's, it's a dialogue that needs to uh, happen because we got to uh, be able to get along with each other and we got to be able to collaborate. Well, um, for hundreds of years, the Catholic Church said that it's not compatible, Freemasonry and the Catholic faith. You can't be a member of any either the Catholic faith and be a member of Freemasonry. And I just want to get your take because um, there's something in your book on, on uh, murder in the 33rd degree about Cardinal, um, oh, the guy. Uh, Bajo? No, no. He went to Iran when he got taken out. Oh, and uh, Archbishop, Archbishop uh, Bonini. who who or or as or as Monsignor Schuler of Saint Agnes and Saint yeah. Paul, my my dear friend, yeah. used to call him Bugnini. Yeah, well, well, yeah, there you go. But Bugnini had a lot to do with the restoration of, uh, or excuse me, of. Reforming the liturgy, I think. Yes, he was the he was the grand architect. Yeah, from fifty one until Vatican II, and and then uh, there was questions, and I did an interview 
I did an interview with uh, Abbott Boniface Lukey for three hours back in the early 90s. And he confirmed when we asked the question about Bunini, because he worked with him, that he was mm. a Freemason. Now, this was in the early 90s, so I don't know how he knew that other than personally he knew that. But you have some information to share that uh, the Holy See got from some investigation that actually— The Holy See did this. Here's what happened. Okay, tell us. Just I mean, in brief. In 1970—in the early 70s, mm -hmm. Pope Paul VI— yes began to understand that something was wrong yeah something had something had gone wrong yes right and now he gave the famous statement on the feast of saints peter and paul yep. in saint peter's basilica he said this this smoke of satan has entered somehow through some fissure into the sanctuary of god Right. Yeah. Well, that was that was that was sort of the beginning that he threw out there. Yeah. Everybody, everybody was kind of Shocked. scratching his scratching the the hair the hair on his head. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't have any. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. But later on, yeah. uh, in 1974, yeah. someone, and this is where this is where the, uh, different stories are. But I don't care where the story goes or or who it was. It doesn't matter to me. Someone brought uh, irrefutable documentation. Yes. To the head of the Senatura Apostolica. What is the Senatura Apostolica? The Supreme Court mm -hmm. of of the of the Catholic Church. We have the Supreme Court. And we have a Supreme Court justice. Yes. And, and his name was Cardinal Staffa, S-T-A-F-F-A. Brilliant man, brilliant lawyer, canon lawyer, a good theologian, superb, and a very devout soul. Very. Yeah. The information was brought to him. He did not move on it immediately, but turned it over to Interpol and to other agencies of investigation, of professional international investigation. Mm -hmm. Right? We're not talking about... Uh, Hiring uh, the hotel, the hotel detective to to do right? this was really done professionally. Yes. Months later, it came back through Interpol and the other agencies that he had investigated. Yes, that it was true. Yeah, that the that the documentation that that was on in his hands on his desk was in fact true documentation uh, attesting to the fact that Annabel Annabel Bunini yeah. was in fact an enrolled enlisted member of the Freemasons in Italy. Correct. There's no question about it. Mm -hmm. At that point, at that point, he, Cardinal Staffa and Cardinal uh, uh, Cardinal Silvio Odi, okay. ODDI, brought together, brought this information to Pope Paul VI. Uh, almost immediately thereafter, Bunini was ousted from the Vatican and sent to Iran. Wow, can I? Can I? But, yeah. yeah. The but the but the damage that he had done. Oh, tremendous damage! The damage that he had done is we're we're, we're still in the we're living in the damage that. He, that I agree that, totally. That Let me ask you a question. Much. Why is it? I've heard that this is the style of the Vatican. You, they don't fire people; they just move them around to places where they won't do as much damage. I just want to ask, though. I mean, if I was the Pope, or if you were the Pope, I, I don't think you would have moved him around. Wouldn't you have just fired him? Well, I would have moved him around. I would have moved him around. Oh, right. I get it. I get it. I would have moved him around the room with a whip in one hand. Yeah, I get it. Dis so, disgraceful. Here's the thing. Here's me. the thing with that you have to remember. And again, 
it's it's always easy to judge history from the viewpoint of today. Yeah, that's true. But just remember, an awful lot of what we're talking about today is the fruit of communication freedom today. Got it. The internet above all. Yeah. But we know we know things. We know things. There are a lot of things we don't know, and there are a lot of wrong things that are out there also. Okay. Sure. However, the abundance of, of knowledge is different. It makes it a different thing. Mm -hmm. In the past, and here's where this is coming from. Okay. Our bishops, and this is a Catholic theological point, which is very, very important. Yes. Our bishops are successors of the apostles. Amen. Now, do they act like it? Not really. No. <laughs> not no. really. I'll tell you quite frankly. No, not really. However, they are. And they are afforded that dignity of being successors of the apostles. Yeah. You wouldn't fire an apostle. Okay. Right. <laughs> if if St. Peter, St. Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, or Jude were here, you wouldn't fire them because of something. It's true. So they moved them around. Yeah, I get it. This 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 must end, and it is ending. However, it's still not ending. What? They're still doing the same thing. They're still doing the same thing. Well, uh, well, it's, it's, it still continues, but that was the modus operandi. Hmm. You just keep, you take him out of here if he's giving trouble there and put him over there, yeah. right? It, they took another Freemason, which is the which was the, the highlight of, of my book, Murder in the 33rd Degree. They took another Freemason, uh, Baggio, Cardinal Baggio, who named all of the bishops in the world. For how many years? A dozen, right? Or, for almost 12 years. Yeah, that's what I thought. Almost 12 years. And and crucial years. Oh, my God. Crucial years, right? But uh, And they put him in charge of stamps. <laughs> postage stamps. Pretty funny. Yeah. So, and, and so you could watch him. There he is. He's now, now he's watchable. Now we can see what he's doing. Yeah. But they didn't, they didn't throw him out. They didn't expel him. And if you would look to, to Terry, look at this. Tell me. If you would look at the hard time that Papa Bergoglio had, Dealing with the McCarrick situation. Which he named one of those bishops. That was McCarrick was one of them. Go ahead. That, that's right. That's right. Well, Cardinal Baggio made McCarrick a, 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 an archbishop of, of, of Washington wow. and then, then then a cardinal. Yeah. Right? This is this is exactly it. But even Pope Francis dealing with this problem, he didn't they didn't want it, they didn't want to laicize him. They had to. There was so much outcry. Yeah. So much outcry that they they had to. But I think still, in some form or another, he's still being taken care of. I think you're right. I mean, he's, he's not just ousted, right? Nope. Right or wrong, I'm not making any judgment here. I'm just saying what is. Now, that's the way it was done. I think that's changing. I think if we have if we have a a, a, a more capable man next time as, as Pope, I think that this moving around is going to stop. I think I think we've had it with that. Well, I think that's Bishop amazing. Strickland but, jumped in and said at a bishop's conference about the McCarrick case, when are we going to do the investigation of all the people who knew what was going on with McCarrick for years? That how about were, that one? Yeah, he said, yeah. gentlemen, the, our flock should, we have to be transparent. We're told we're being transparent. Where's the transparency? And in my opinion, that's another mark against him why he got removed is because sure. he asked the tough questions that nobody else would ask. He dared to be completely honest. Yeah, that's horrible. 
Uh, Terry, just a, just a moment before we were talking about uh, uh, Father Jerry Murray, yeah. who I told you is one of the finest yeah. priests you will ever meet. Yes. I, he should be a bishop. Right. He's never going to be a bishop no. because he's honest. Yeah. He's, he's completely honest. Yeah. He, he sees things. And these are the people that we all we all love and admire. And, and this is these are the people that people follow and listen to. And Father, in the minute and a half we have left, again, your recommendation always comes back to living a holy life for the church, for your own soul, for your family, that we need to keep our focus on, I'm calling a crucifix in my MY. You got it. Because yeah. this is who we worship. We don't worship a priest, a bishop, an archbishop, cardinal, pope. It's Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you to finish up on why it's important that we keep our focus with our own personal sanctification. Because that's the key to heaven. Amen. I, I mean, you know, look, the end game here. Yeah. The end game is, isn't to have a nice life here and have people like you. There are a lot of people who don't like you, Terry, and don't like me. <laughs> and we, you know that. Yeah. Right? The end game is salvation, for goodness yeah. sake. It's, it's getting to heaven. And the way we get to heaven is through the cross. If, if you don't, if you, what did Sheen say? He said it so beautifully. If at the end you don't have your hands wounded from giving in charity, yep. your feet wounded with 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 the nail uh, nail prints in them from walking to do charity, your heart wounded from loving, you don't have the signs to get into the into the kingdom. Yeah, that's why the cross is important. That's why that's why Jordan Peterson, God love, he he's I think he's. I don't think he understands how how just how right he is. Exactly. I mean, I'm serious. He's yeah. absolutely right. And I love I, it. Yeah, the wounds. Do we have wounds on ourselves from our giving, from our sacrificial life? That's what's going to be looked at on our exit. Pick up your cross and follow me. Yeah. Father, how about a blessing, please? Benedicat vos omnipotens Deus Pater, Filius, Spiritus Sanctus. Amen. And thank you so much. And I want to thank our listeners who are supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Hundreds of thousands of downloads are going out on the internet through YouTube and other means. And it couldn't be done without you. We got radio stations that pick us up. It's a number of things that you have helped us get the message out about the saving graces of Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Don't forget Our Lady of Fatima said, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifice. Pray for those who need conversion. Thanks again for joining us, and may God richly bless you and your family. God love you.